You're listening to Pulse Radio. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Pulse Radio, in the building for another special edition of the show on today. I hope all is well. It's an amazing point in time of the year because it is playoff season. I'm excited. The playoffs start this week. And man, I think it's going to be the best playoffs that we've had in a long time. Or I could be wrong because, you know, this season has been pretty disappointing. But it's primarily been because of COVID and also injuries. But, you know, it is what it is. But hope all is well. Hope you had an amazing weekend. I hope you had a better weekend than Frank Vogel because Frank Vogel found out via Adrian Wojnarowski's tweet that he would not be coaching the Lakers after the Lakers won against the Nuggets for their last game of the season. You had Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, You had, like, you know, Gabriel. You had all the – you had Malik Munt score 41 points. You had all these young players that gave more effort than the Lakers veterans. Now, I don't want to spend the whole entire podcast talking about the Lakers. I really don't. Because I believe that we should be talking about playoff teams and teams that should be contending for a championship. But I must say that this was in poor form by the Los Angeles Lakers and their front office and their ownership. That is insane that Woj knew before the man you're firing knew that he wasn't going to be coaching for that team. Y'all should have had a conversation with him. I believe that Frank Vogel should have been let go. But I just, not like this. Frank Vogel is a good coach. Frank Vogel had amazing seasons with the Pacers. And when he came to the Lakers, they were a top defensive team. They won the 2020 championship. And this is how you do a championship winning coach when it's not really his fault in full that the, at the Lakers underperformed this year. I just think that that was in poor form, and I believe that what goes around comes around, and reputation means everything guarded with your life, 48 laws of power. And I think that what the Lakers are doing is they're making themselves the Knicks West. How people view the Knicks and how folks look at the Knicks and James Dolan and all the stuff that he's done, the Lakers are looking eerily similar. Y'all just got better players and more championships. And I was rooting for the Lakers. I, I'm a fan of the Lakers. But it's not looking good. I think that Dame, Luca, Zion, like these these star players that are gonna that are gonna be looking to move and go to different organizations. I, I don't think that they're gonna be looking at the Lakers because they don't want to be in this circus that you have going on. I think that the Lakers need to look, need to take a hard look at who they are and what they're doing. I think that they need to really take a look at how they're running that team and figure out what they need to do to make some changes. And I think that maybe Rob Palinka needs to follow Frank Vogel out the door because the ownership ain't changing. But I think that you maybe need to get some more competent front office people in there to make some things happen. But that's enough of Lakers talk. Y'all, that, that was egregious. Y'all, y'all should be ashamed. Like Lakers nation, we're ashamed of you, okay? Because I, I, I am a Lakers Hawks Suns fan. And y'all could come at me. I don't care. I'm a fan of LeBron. I'm a fan of Chris Paul. And I'm from Georgia. And I like Trey Young. But as a Lakers fan, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. 
And what goes around comes around, and man, the future might not be that bright for the purple and gold. But let's talk about the playoffs. So we know the matchups that are going to be going on in the four and five seed and the three and six seed in the playoffs for the East and the West. So the Mavericks are going to be playing the Utah Jazz. And I think that's going to be a good series if Luka Dantich doesn't have a severe ankle sprain. Because Luka was playing against the Spurs on last night. And he had a non-contact injury where he was limping and looked like he got an ankle sprain. And they took him out the game. He didn't return. Now, the Mavericks still won. We understand why Luka was playing because the Mavericks were in a seeding competition with the Warriors. If the Warriors lost to the Pelicans, because the Pelicans and Warriors played on last night, if the Warriors lost to the Pelicans, the Mavericks would have become the third seed and they'd be playing the Nuggets, which I really would have loved to have seen that. But we all knew that the Warriors were going to win that game because the Pelicans barely even played their, their star players. Meanwhile, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green played because they wanted to secure that third seed. And the Warriors were in the driver's seat. So I, I just don't understand why Luka was playing because wasn't the team, like, didn't the team have, like, a winning record without Luka when Luka got injured um, earlier in the season? I think that Jason Kidd had them boys winning games without Luka. Like, games. Like, like they were playing great. And Jalen Brunson was going in. Like, they had some games where they were going crazy. Now, I know Kristaps Porzingis is gone, and it's a different team than that team that was going at the beginning of the season. But Spencer Dinwiddie's averaging 17 points over these last few games. Boron Bogdanovich has been doing pretty good. So, I mean, I think they could have won a game against the Spurs without Luka. And if you lost, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you you have a like a three-game lead in the loss column over the Jazz. So, I mean, if you lost, he was 51 and 31, okay, that, that's fine, <laughs> you know. But I'm conflicted because we want star players to play. But I don't want my star players to get injured before consequential games. Because what if Luka has to miss game one or game two? I think that that could be a death blow to the Mavericks, and you'll see the Jazz make it. I just, I don't know, man. I, I just really don't. I'm conflicted. Because um, I know that, like I said, we have a problem in the NBA where you have your star players that don't play all the games, and sometimes they don't play the national games, the games that everyone needs to see. But we have to protect these players because they're an asset to the organization, and they're more important, quote-unquote, in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. But two things I really want from the NBA moving forward. I want the regular season to be more prioritized. Right. Because the regular season determines where you go in the playoffs. It determines how you're seated. So the regular season is pretty important. But also, I would like for teams in the NBA to have a discussion, the Players Association and the NBA front office. Can we stop back to backs? Back to backs are insane. These players are human. Why are they playing two games back to back in sometimes under 24 hours fans? Why don't you space them games out 48 hours? Maybe injuries will go down. Maybe players will stop load management and these ticky-tack, oh, well, he his back is hurting, so we're going to rest him. Maybe they'll stop that if you didn't play these dumb back-to-back games. I mean, I know I'm, I'm not a front office guy. I'm not a coach. But I just believe that you're putting extra stress onto these NBA players to go out 
and play basketballs two days straight, essentially, and then get then look at them like, oh my gosh, they're injured. I promise you, after the COVID bubble season, going into the 2020, 2021 season, and then this year, and I know COVID has been a lot of the reason why players were out, especially around Christmas. But there have been so many injuries to star players. Like, and I think that the reason why is because the workload after COVID happened and how they had to consolidate the season in 2020 and then they rushed it back in 20 in 2020 and in 2021. I believe that that is the reason why we're seeing a disproportionate amount of injuries to star players and key role players. So I think that the NBA needs to re reevaluate back-to-backs. I know that the Mavericks weren't playing a back-to-back, but I think that maybe that'll help in stopping the, the wear and tear on the bodies of these NBA players. But I think, and I'll give my official picks later, but if the Mavericks and the Jazz are playing each other and Luka is back to a semblance of full strength, I think that that's going to be an interesting series because we saw Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell have a shootout in the bubble in 2020 in that first round when they played. So you have like the the like the Jazz and the Mavericks, Donovan Mitchell versus Luka. I'm hyped for that. And now we get to see something different because he because now you know Luka's not playing the Clippers. So Luka was putting up insane numbers against the Clippers. So I would hope that they beat the Jazz, but we'll see. And you have the Warriors playing the Nuggets. Jokic is a presumptive MVP, although I believe that Giannis or Embiid should win it. Honestly, Embiid should. Embiid has the narrative. He carried the 76ers to the number four seed. And we'll talk about them in a second. Because I thought that, honestly, after the Ben Simmons drama, if they didn't trade Ben Simmons before the beginning of the season, I thought that they were going to be in the play-in. I honestly thought that. I thought they'd be a play-in team. But Embiid had them at the top of the conference for a little minute. But what people forget is that Joel Embiid got COVID around like the start of November. He got COVID and he missed 10 games. I think people forgot that. So Embiid has been amazing this year. He's been in his bag. He's played the best he's ever played. So I think Joel Embiid should be the MVP. But Jokic just put up amazing numbers. He's a, he's a statistical marvel. I think that they lose to the Warriors. I think that Jokic doesn't go out, you know, crazy. I think he's going to go out and put up insane numbers. But I just don't think that without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., that they have enough to stop the Warriors, especially with with uh, Clay Thompson being back and having something to prove, and then Steph Curry getting rest, and then Draymond also has something to prove, and that Warriors team is very well constructed. Now I think they have holes in their roster when Steph and Clay and Draymond don't play well, but Jordan Poole is going to be the most improved player. And I understand Desmond Bain being in it, but Jordan, and I think Desmond Bain and Jordan Poole, it's, it's a toss-up. I wouldn't be mad at Desmond Bain one. I wouldn't be mad at Jordan Poole one. But Jordan Poole has become a, like a, a scary player in that rotation. I don't know if it's the system or if he stepped up in, in, in his skill, but he has become a scary player, man. And that's just a fact. So I think that the Warriors are going to take that one, but I'll give my official rundown soon because we don't know because jamal murray and michael porter jr might be back who knows all right we'll see what happens in the east you have the philadelphia 76ers and the toronto raptors who shout out to them they're in the fifth seed they made it out the play-in 
Y'all are lit. Y'all are lit, man. Shout out to the Raptors. But here's the thing about the Raptors that was always something that we kept in our mind, especially when they were the seventh seed and the Nets were the eighth seed for like weeks on end during the regular season. Toronto has very has Toronto and Canada, they have very stringent COVID restrictions. So we kept talking about, hey, if Kyrie's not vaccinated, he won't be able to play in Toronto at all because of Canada's COVID restrictions. Well, it's a couple of other players that aren't vaccinated as well, not just Kyrie. And Matisse Thiebel for the Philadelphia 76ers is not vaccinated. So because of that, Matisse Thiebel, because Canada revised their restrictions, Matisse Thiebel will not be able to play. (laughs) He will not be able to, to play in any of the games in Toronto, so game three and four, and possibly uh, game six, he won't be able to play. Now, is that important? Possibly, if the Raptors steal home court. Let's say the Raptors win game one, a grind out fighting game one. The 76ers win game two. So now the ball is in the Raptors court. Let's say they win both the games at home. Now they're up 3-1. And they have three shots out of the win. And then game six, they come back home. Now, is Matisse Thiebel Kyrie Irving? No. But at the same time, Matisse Thiebel is an amazing perimeter defender. And you have Fred Van Fleet, who's a standout on their team. So in a stretch, like how they had Matisse Thiebel on Steph Curry that game, they played that Saturday against um, the Warriors when Steph Curry was trying to get, was trying to get the three-point record. Matisse Thiebel is great at moving his feet and staying in front of point guards. So I think Matisse Thibel would be a great weapon, a defensive weapon against Fred Van Vliet. But now you might not have him for the whole entire series. I just think that, you know, and I've gone in on Kyrie Irving on this podcast. I think that if you didn't get vaccinated at the very least for, for the sake of your team, that's insane, bro. I'm, I'm just saying. And I know that in Pennsylvania, as well as like these other cities, like there wasn't restrictions against away players. Like when, when the Nets and the Nets and the 76ers played, Matisse Thibel was able to be unvaccinated. We didn't even know about it. Kyrie couldn't play, but Matisse could. And vice versa, Kyrie could play in Philadelphia. He played against them on March the 10th. But I just think it's just wildly irresponsible. And Matisse Thibel should be like, yo, like that's really crazy. Now, if the 76ers don't win against the Raptors, I don't know what to tell you. But I'll tell you this, do not sleep on the Raptors. They are not scrubs. Like, on, on this board, from number 10 to number one, there are no bad teams I see. I see flawed teams. I see teams that could have done better. The Nets and the Hawks are who I'm really speaking about. And I see injured teams like the Cavaliers here. And then even with the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo is, is, is in health and safety protocols. So we'll see if he gets out before the Heat play their first game. Presumably, they, they'll probably play next Sunday. Presumably. I don't know the schedule, but I would presume they would play next Sunday. But the Raptors are really good. And it's the fact they have a dearth of wings. They play very physical. And Nick Nurse is a great coach. He'll throw different defensive schemes at your star players, and they will struggle. Like, they're going to have a dog fight, almost like old school basketball. It's a dog fight trying to score against the Raptors. So I think Joel Embiid is going to go crazy. But I'm looking at James Harden. James Harden, and I don't want to go into crazy on him because clearly something's going on with James Harden. But, man, listen, James got to turn up. James, you don't got to give me Houston Rockets, James Harden, 
but you got to give me at the very least a fraction of it. Don't you don't got to score 50, but give me 30 and 20. You can you can do that. 30, 20, and 5 at the very least. Or 30, 20, and 10. Give me guard Jokic numbers like at this point. Because then B needs to help. Because the whole entire notion was, man, we gotta trade Ben Simmons right now instead of waiting for James Harden to become a free agent. Because we don't want to waste a prime year from Joel Embiid. He didn't really get injured this year. He played at an MVP level. He might win the MVP. But all of that, just for him to still play by himself. (laughs) I really hope the best for James Harden because I want them to make it a series, man. And James Harden owes that. I think he owes that to the 76. I think he owes that to them. But I digress. Uh, The Bucs going to be playing the Bulls. I really wanted Bulls and Celtics. If you know the history, even dating back to Michael Jordan versus Larry Bird, typically the Bulls and the Celtics have amazing series. And I want to just say this here and now. One of the best playoff series of all time happened in the first round of the 2008-2009 playoffs. The Celtics, who were without Kevin Garnett, because Kevin, Kevin Garnett got injured and he didn't play any of that playoffs, Played against the Bulls with Derrick Rose, Joaquin Noah, Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich. And they had a seven-game series that was so amazing. And hopefully I'm not snitching right now, but it's on YouTube. Go check it out. Type in Bulls versus Celtics 2009 playoffs, and you'll see games one, two, three, four, five, and seven in English. Now, game six is in a foreign language, okay? But mute it. And just enjoy the game because, yo, it, it was so amazing. Like, that's a series that, that might have been the best playoff series I've ever seen, even out of the finals games, because it was so back and forth. They were so even because the Celtics didn't have that advantage of having Kevin Garnett to just take them over the top. They didn't have that advantage on the defensive or offensive end. So typically when the Celtics and the Bulls match up, it, it's a movie. Even when they played in what was that, the twenty. 20- what, 2017 year? When you had Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, and Jimmy Butler? Like, that was a movie, too, low-key. That might have been 2016 or 2017. That was a movie, too, if you want me to be real. Because Rajon Rondo was going in for the Bulls, and he was about to knock out his former team. But then Rajon Rondo got injured, and then and then the Celtics came back, and I believe, one in six. So I'm telling you, man, I wanted the Celtics versus the Bulls so bad. And I think Jason Tatum... And Jalen Brown versus uh, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan would have been a matchup for you because I think that they would that um, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine would have like up their play, but it sucks because the Bulls were doing so well, but injuries hit them. Vucevic got injured; he he got COVID. You had other players that was that were out with COVID. Patrick Williams um, got injured. Lonzo Ball is going to be out for the rest of the season. He will see him next year. Like, the Bulls had a really good team. And I think injuries derailed them because they were one of the top teams in the East. And people wouldn't just say, oh, they suck. They're not as good. They were injured. And DeMar DeRozan was on an MVP tear. But once again, these players just singularly can only do so much. But the Bucs are playing the Bulls, and it's going to be easy. I'm not going to lie to you. The Bucs going to probably gonna, gonna, gonna sweep these boys. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe gentlemen sweep because Giannis is a gentleman. Like, but the bus gonna sweep these boys. But I will talk about him. Something might change. Patrick Williams might be back. I don't know. Lonzo Ball might say, you know what? Forget it. I'll rehab in the offseason. I'm back. I don't know. 
I will give my official picks once the play-in is over. All right? But let's talk about the play-in. Let's start with the East since we're here. My Hawks, man, um, the Hawks, Trey Young and my guys, they play the Hornets. Um, the Hornets and the Hawks had a very similar season. I believe that the Hornets have a better team. I think that that addition of Montrezl Harold was great for the culture of the Hornets. And I think that Montrezl Harold is, is a great addition off the bench. LaMelo Ball is a rising star. I think LaMelo Ball is going to really be running it soon. I think the NBA knows that. That's why they got so many, many um, games in the regular season on, on national television. But I just, I don't count out Trey Young. Trey Young has Mamba mentality. You know, Trey Young was really close to Kobe. And I think that that Mamba mentality rubbed off from Kobe to Trey Young. Trey Young rises up in big games. And Trey Young hasn't really even hit his prime yet. But Trey Young is a bucket. And the thing about it is that he's almost like LeBron in the point that he's a point guard. <laughs> like Trey Young can score. He's a volume three-point shooter. He's, he has range on his three-point shot. He's super quick and can get to the basket. His ball handling skills are nasty, but he's a generational passer. Like LaMelo, I think LaMelo does flashy passes, and we see him as, as a great passer because he, he does like these Magic Johnson-esque passes. But Trey Young will find you open, and Trey Young will find you a lane. And the Hawks should have been better. They should really be in like the eight or seven seed. But injuries, COVID outbreak, because remember, Trey Young couldn't play in that Christmas game against the Knicks, which I was super mad at. But also, they lost games that they should have won. So I need for no one ever again to tell me that the regular season doesn't matter. No one should ever tell me that. And I know that, you know, you have, um, you know, the play-in now, and you don't have to be one of the top seeds, you know, to get to get into the playoffs. You have to just, just win one or two games to get in. I get it. But the regular season still matters because why even put yourself in that situation? Now, for me, I want to bring up this quote that I saw. And I, I fact-checked it is real. Uh, it was this quote that came from Nate McMillan. And people were trying to go after Nate McMillan because they said that Nate McMillan had like a had like a losing mentality. Like, oh, like, why are you talking about next season when you're playing in the play-in, like on on Wednesday? Why why are you, oh my gosh, like, you know, we gotta do better next season? But I want to read this quote by Nate McMillan because this is exactly how I feel. This is what Nate McMillan said to his team, paraphrased. The, this feeling of what we're going through right now is not the feeling I expect next season. Fighting for our lives for a play-in position. So taking care of business, having that mindset from the start of the season is really important because every game does matter. Whether it's the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, or 79th, 80th, 81st, 82nd, they're all important games. So just take a moment to think about where we are right now we were able to get ourselves to this position where we are in the play-in tournament, but next year we don't want to experience this. And I agree 100%. And I think that every team around the league that didn't have a great season by their standards, the Lakers, uh, the, the, the Timberwolves did pretty good, but they should have been higher. And they dropped some games they should have won. The Warriors, you know, they sort of fell apart a little bit 
after Steph, after Steph Curry got injured, and also Draymond Green got injured, the Jazz were losing some games they should have won. The 76ers needed to step up. The Bulls dropped off a clip after after the injuries. And the Celtics started off, the Celtics and the Mavericks started off pretty, pretty slow to start the season. We thought the boys weren't gonna make the playoffs. But they got it together. The regular season matters. You don't want to find yourself in in playing contention. But talking about the game, I believe that the Hawks will win. I think it'll be a close game. The Hawks are going to be at home. I think the home crowd for the Hawks is going to go crazy. I think Trey Young's going to have a an amazing game, but it's not going to be a runaway victory. This is not the Hornets of last year. I believe that this is going to be close, and the Hornets really want to make the playoffs. I think LaMelo goes for double-digit assist. Miles Bridges is going to try to put somebody on a poster. Montrez Harold and, and the crew, Terry Rogier and them, they're going to go in. And it's really Trey Young and Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Herter because the some of the other members of the Hawks are, are, are like double agents working for the Hornets at this point. DeAndre Hunter needs to step up. I have no idea why TLC is making any rotation in the playoffs or the play-in. And John Collins most likely won't be playing. So I think Trey Young got to drop 50. I just think this is just a fact. Trey Young got to drop 50 and we'll figure out the rest. <laughs> we'll figure we'll figure out the rest, man. But they got to lock in on defense. I've seen them beat the Hornets before. But I saw that game where they, they were playing to win the tiebreaker. And the Hornets just got them. I thought the Hawks just gave out of gas. I watched that game. So I think that possibly the Hawks could win. But this is for your season, man. So I don't know. But if the Hornets lose, they didn't make the playoffs. But I'm not too upset at them. I think that this is a great building block for next season. Because they started off the season pretty well. They stabilized. Uh, They got a great piece in Montrezl Herald. They have to find a way to get off Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward has not really been a big contributor for them, especially with all his injuries. And I'm very sensitive to players that have a lot of injuries because we know what happened to Gordon Hayward. He was he was a Celtic that first game. We don't want to talk about it, but we know what happened. So I think that that might contribute to a lot of his injuries. However, you need to get some players that can actively produce for you. So if you can possibly trade that Gordon Hayward contract and get two or three players that can that can, that can contribute to the bench or get you like, you know, an ISO wing score, which I think that every team needs. I think that that'll put them in position to be a top six team in the East. And the Hawks need to make need to make changes too. But Trey Young is a transcendent superstar. I don't think the Hornets take him out. Now, the game that everyone's anticipating, the Nets versus the Cavaliers, ironically, Kyrie is going to be playing his former team. Interesting, right? I think the Nets do win, but don't count out the Cavaliers. Don't count them out. I'm telling you, do not count them out because they'll shock you. Because I saw the Cavaliers beat the Nets with James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant last year. I saw the Cavaliers beat the Nets with Kyrie and James Harden this year. Do not count them out. Now, Kevin Durant is unstoppable. He can shoot over the whole team. I'm telling you, don't count out the Cavaliers. And this notion that the Nets should lose so they can play the Heat, a team that they foreseeably could beat, I think that that's asinine. I think y'all need to shut up. <laughs> Honestly, they just want to oh, the Bucks tried to lose uh, because they didn't want to play the Nets. Let me read this, this ridiculous quote 
that I saw on Facebook, which I don't, I'm not even on Facebook anymore because it's, it's such a, a room for disinformation. Like NBA memes, and it's listed as a satire page on Facebook. I think that's interesting. But they, they put up this screenshot of a tweet where the Bucks were losing to the Cavaliers 18 to 46. And the caption of the tweet said, Bucks really trying not to play the Nets in the first round. And NBA memes said, they're really not trying. And I'm like, do you realize this? The last game, Mike Budenholzer is resting his key players because they're playing in the playoffs later on this week. And they had nothing to prove. 2C, 3C, it don't matter to them. You have a possible MVP on your roster and a rather deep team. Why do we care if we play the Bulls or the Nets? Like, people shift the narrative so much. Yeah, the Bucks were probably losing 18 to 46 at that point. You want to know the reason why? Because the third string guys were playing. If you had G Leaguers playing, that's the reason why Ke- Kevin Love was out there shooting three pointers. Like, bro, are you serious? Because the Cavaliers had to play their guys, they had to have a good game. So they can make sure that they didn't slip down to the nine seed because because all because the Hornets and the Hawks won. So if the Cavaliers lost, I think the Hawks slide into the eight. So I just this notion of, oh, let me take games. Let me lose this game so I can have a more favorable matchup. Man, if, if you're a baller, if you're a hooper, if you have a good team, you're gonna play whoever. This ain't the 20, this ain't the 2017, 2018 Warriors that you're about to play. This ain't the freaking Miami Heat of the early 2010s with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. This is a Nets team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Bruce Brown produces, produces sometimes, Kessler Everett produces sometimes, Cam Johnson produces sometimes, but you never know. And then Kyrie Irving uh, mess around and have a freaking 15-point game on, on, on 32 shots. <laughs> He'll take 32 shots and have 15 points. This one's like, oh, we should tank because uh, we're scared of the, of, of the Nets. No, the Nets are a subpar team this year, and Ben Simmons foreseeably is not coming back. And the Bucs have beaten the Nets five out of the last six, time, six times, and in a playoff type of atmosphere, Giannis stepped up and sent the Nets home with an L. I, I need y'all just to stop this discourse, man. Like, y'all, like, these narratives y'all try to spin is amazing, man. And the media got y'all thinking, Oh my gosh, people are so scared of the Nets. No, they're not. But anyway, the Nets are going to win. They, they're going to play the Celtics. I think they're going to win. But don't count out the Cavaliers. I think that the East play-in is very close. Now in the West, 9-10, I think, I think that the Pelicans are going to win this one. Now this might be a scary good one, but and I know I hedge my bets a little bit, but I think the Pelicans should win. I think the Spurs are going to have something to prove because Coach Pop had been in the playoffs in a minute. But that's, I'll say all the play-in games are good. I'll take back what I said. All the play-in games are good, but the East, they're dead even. Even in the record, they're dead even. The Pelicans have had a great season, and the addition of C.J. McCollum has really helped them out. It all depends on what Brandon Ingram does. I think, I think C.J. gets his points. But Brandon Ingram got to turn up, and then I want to see who else helps them. It'd be funny if Zion came back for the playing tournament, though. That, that, that'd be funny. <laughs> like, now, if Zion comes back, he comes back in form, Pelicans, easy. Pelicans, easy. 
But without him, I, I think DeJounte Murray is going to go off because, you know, um, he wants to make the playoffs again. But, oh, man, I, I'll take the Pelicans. I'll take the Pelicans. I, I, I hate for Greg Popovich these last few seasons to not make the playoffs after he had like a 26-year run of making it. But the Pelicans are going to win this one. I, I change I change it. The Pelicans are going to win that one. It might be a good play-in. Now, 7-8 is the one I really want to see. Minnesota versus the Clippers. Do we know if Patrick Beverly is going to get suspended for um, having that altercation with the ref? Because he scored like a layup. And then he was barking at the ref and he got thrown out. And he was t- he was telling the ref, you're trash. You're trash. And I'm like, Patrick Beverly, bro, it's game 82. You're in the playing tournament. You are two games in the lost column behind Denver. It's the Lakers are already eliminated. So I mean, like, dude, there's no point of barking, bro. Just walk down the court, man. You're playing your former team for a chance at the playoffs. On Tuesday, calm down. <laughs> but the narrative of Patrick Beverly versus his former team, it's a great narrative. It's a great storyline. But I know that Paul George was trying to play it down like, oh, we're not worried about that, man. We're not worried about <laughs> we're, we're not we're not worried about, you know, Patrick Beverly. We're worried about beating the Timberwolves. And I get it, but it's gonna be a lot of hijinks, a lot of emotion. And I think that the Clippers are very well coached. The Timberwolves have more talent. So take your pick. Do you think that Tyre Lou will be able to make adjustments if Anthony Edwards or uh, Car Anthony Towns goes off? We'll be able to adjust because Tyron Lou and Monty Williams, two of the best adjustment coaches in the NBA. And it shows, you see it. Tyre Lou brags about it. <laughs> so, when you see what you see that first possession and you see what, what Coach Finch is running for the Timberwolves, what do you do? But you got to realize that while the Clippers are a good team, Kawhi's not there. Paul George is coming off of an injury. So I just really don't know. I think Paul George, just like how Trey Young needs to, I think Paul George might have to go supernova. But I just think that when it's one guy versus four guys... <laughs> Because Patrick Beverly might try to have a game against his old team. He might try to really turn up. When it's one guy versus four guys, it's hard to me to bet on the one guy. Even if it's LeBron James. We saw how that happened with uh, the Warriors. If it's one guy versus four guys, I don't know. But if Reggie Jackson plays like he should be an all-star, all bets are off. The Clippers might mess around to win. Because Reggie Jackson goes off in big games. Reggie Jackson be making game winners, three-point shots. Like, he, like he's Steph Curry. I'm telling you. But the Grizzlies should be concerned. Now, the Grizzlies are, are, are great, and they're going to play who they play. But if you play the Clippers, it's, it's old school versus new school. It's experience versus new star power. Led by John Morant. I don't know if the, if the Clippers is what the Grizzlies want, but they're not backing out from anybody. They should be rooting for the, they should be rooting for the Timberwolves though, because they beat the Timberwolves. But I think either way we get a good two seven matchup in the West. I think either way, either way, it's gonna be fun to see Ja versus the Clippers and then figure out a way to, to try to stop Ja and limit Ja 
and force the other, his other teammates to step up like they did in the regular season. I think that that'll be interesting to see. Um, but the best matchup for me, man, is Timberwolves' young team with Anthony Edwards in his first playoffs, and him he he has that jumping ability versus John Morant. That's a dream, man. I'm telling you, that's a dream. But we'll see. But I do think, I need to make a pick. I do think that the Timberwolves are going to win. Now, let me clarify all of my picks because I was on the fence. I think all these all these games could be close. But I think the Nets are going to beat the Cavaliers. The Hawks are going to beat the Hornets. The Pelicans are going to beat the Spurs. And the Timberwolves are going to beat uh, the Clippers. Now, I think it's pretty easy. I picked all the top teams because uh, uh, the, the Hawks are a nine seed, Brooklyn seven seed, Minnesota seven seed, uh, Pelicans ninth seed. And I picked them over the lower seeded opponent. But I think it's just gonna get it's gonna get really interesting um as we move into uh the second half of the play-in games to see who's all matched up. Cause that's when it's gonna really get interesting. Who's playing Phoenix and Miami? That's where it's gonna really get interesting. And also it's winner go home. If you're in the seventh or eight seed and you lose this next game, if you lose, you're watching the game from home. So We'll see what happens, <laughs> but outside of that, you know, that is it. Uh, I want to say this really quickly. I want to start this discourse. I know people go crazy on Doc Rivers, but I don't want to just ask this question. And if someone hears this, I just want them just to hear me out and really just answer the question for me. Is Doc Rivers really that bad of a coach? I understand he's blown the most 3-1 leads in NBA history. And I also understand what people say about adjustments because I believe that that's important. If you see something happening on the court, it's on the coach to change the strategy, defensively and offensively. I agree. But I think that what we've seen with even with the Lakers this year is that coaching matters a lot. And what matters as well is the culture that a coach sets up. So is Doc Rivers, theoretically speaking, a bad coach in general because he's not an adjustments guy? Or you think he's a bad coach just because he's a bad coach? Because I think while Doc Rivers is not good at adjustments and maybe his rotational knowledge is very archaic because he's trying to play DeAndre Jordan just like how Frank Vogel was instead of Paul Reed. And Paul Reed just had like a career night last night in that final game. But I understood what, what he was saying when he said, hey, like, if you're playing a big lineup, we're playing DeAndre Jordan in the second unit. If we're playing a small lineup, we're, we're playing Paul Reed. I, I get it because you want you want to make sure that you're matching up appropriately. But for the offense and for adjustments, that might not be the best thing. But I think possibly, and I want people to really hear me out, I think that maybe, maybe, Doc Rivers is not a bad coach all around. I think he he does not make adjustments, and that's something he should really think about, especially if he gets fired from this job. But possibly Doc Rivers sets a culture and at very least in the regular season of success. And as a former player, and I just say as, as, as a black man, maybe he speaks to the other black men better I, I don't know i know him and rondo had issues with the celtics but i heard nothing but good things about his Celtic tenure and i know we can say oh he had kevin garnett and kevin garnett really was, was a locker room leader but i think that managing all those personalities on a super team 
I think that Doc was able to get them to success. Now they did they they won the championship 08. They didn't make it on nine when Kevin Garnett got injured. 2010, they made it, lost in seven games to Kobe and the Lakers. And then the Miami Heat came came together, formed that big three. Was up on them three two. Was up on them three games to two. In 2012, before LeBron won Supernova game six, 45-15 and seven. And then they came back and won that series. And then I think they lost to they lost the Heat again in 2013. I, I might be tripping. But I think that those Celt- those Celtic years, yeah, you can give it to Kevin Garnett. But was Doc that bad of a coach? I mean, when I look at his record, he has the ninth most wins in NBA history. You can say that's longevity. But he has the ninth most wins in NBA history. And he's had more winning regular seasons than he's had losing ones. And his playoff record ain't all that bad either. He's 98 and 94. Yeah, I mean, for for like he he's four off from being 500 in playoff wins. I get it. But I mean, is he really a bad coach and if your team hired him, would you really be worse off? I'm just 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 a question, I'm just musing. If the Lakers hired Doc Rivers, would he really be worse than Frank Vogel? Or would he set up a culture that's more conducive in that locker room for success because Doc Rivers has had immense regular season success. And if Doc Rivers is, is such a bad coach, why why has he been successful ha- half his time in the NBA? Like why? Like, you know, like he, he's only had a, a select few bad seasons. Like what's, what's the most important variable? Is it the star players or is it the coach? Because what if the Clippers, no matter what adjustments that Doc Rivers made, Kawhi and Paul George go out there and beat the Nuggets game seven, then they beat the Lakers, then they win the championship in the bubble. Doc Rivers is still there. So I think success and what happens on the court controls the perception of the team and especially the coach. If Russell Westbrook made some of those bank shots and then turn over the ball so much, and maybe LeBron played more games and gave them that same scoring input as he was doing throughout the season, and maybe Anthony Davis went out half the season, they make the play-in in the playoffs and win a couple games. Does Frank Vogel get fired? Winning shifts our perception. Now, granted, I'm of the belief that win, lose, or draw, if it's a problem, it's a problem. But I think that that would have shifted the perception of the fans of NBA fans in general, of fans of these specific teams, and history would be different. So maybe Doc Rivers can instill a winning culture in the Lakers if he were to get fired from the 76ers and he was up to go to coach for the Lakers. But I'm just I'm just musing here. Like just get, give me a chance to sort of just spitball here. Because maybe or maybe not, Doc Rivers isn't that bad of a coach and maybe just Twitter doesn't like him because it's cool not to like Doc Rivers because you look at the L's on his resume instead of sort of the successes. Maybe he's a culture builder, not an adjuster. But who knows? But nevertheless, I'm going to get out of here. I just I just want just, just to, to toss that out there. Um, but hope everyone's well once again. Uh, make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, and just Pulse Radio on YouTube. We're going to be coming back with the full Pulse Sports array and talk about football. 
Ariel and I are gonna be back really soon. I'm super excited. Haven't seen Ariel in a minute. But also the playoffs are starting, so expect from me to give you more basketball takes. I'm back, we're here, we're making it happen. And my goal in this Q2, my goal as we hit the spring going into the summer is I want Pulse Radio to go federal. So I need you to tell a friend that loves basketball, that loves football, and that loves culture to subscribe to Pulse Radio on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. But thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Pulse Radio. (laughs) 